true. Have you ever struggled with understanding the Word of God? You're not alone. Let's look at the scriptures together and understand how we can apply biblical principles in our daily lives, right here on the Creekside Podcast. Hey, welcome back. My name is James Pivahouse. I'll be the host today, and this is co-host. Yeah, <laughs> I, my, apparently my new title. <laughs> I get, Drew Byers. I, I want to get a placard and put it on my desk. Says We're going to put co- it right yeah, here. Yeah, it says co-host. That's great. Just so I, love, I love the intro music because it's like, you know, it's kind of like a dance party, but then it's like... We're just sitting here in these chairs. Like, it's like the exact opposite feel. Like, we're going to have to get some laser lights. Yeah, yeah. That would be, that would be or awesome. Disco ball. Do so, they do those? I don't think they, I don't do, think those they do that anymore. Oh, so, okay. Well, the skating rink. Yeah. Disco ball. <laughs> the good old days. I do remember the skating rink. The good old days. Oh, man. Okay. Well, this is fun. Uh, last, last time we were together, we talked about um, Romans chapter one. Yes. And um, we're going to stay in Romans. Yes. Uh, but we're going to move to chapter 6. Yes. And the one thing to note as we do that is Romans is, <laughs> some of y'all are listening, like, why don't you just talk about the verses in order? And I understand right. that. And maybe one of these days in the future we'll do that. Uh, and trying to stay close to what our Bible reading plan kind of is for the church, we're kind of uh, trying to stick close to that. And so we're jumping a couple chapters here. But just to say, uh, certainly all of the Bible is connected, but also Romans is really one big argument, and this might be helpful for you. Romans 1 through, uh, really through 11, is kind of Paul's doctrinal dump, if you will. He just kind of unload on the people, like, what is the gospel? How should we live? All this kind of stuff. And then starting in verse number 12, he kind of gets to the practical application of, of things, which we'll hopefully get into chapter 12 a little bit on our next session. But we're, we've covered... Uh, we're skipping over most of chapter 1 uh, and chapters 2, 3, 4, 5 to get to uh, chapter 6. So that's kind of some of what, just so you don't miss that, uh, what's going on here. This does help to explain uh, some of what we talked about in our podcast on Romans 1. So just to consider uh, consider all those things before we read. Okay. Anything else you want to add before we read? I don't think so. All right. Uh, let's get into it. Uh, this is Romans 6, 1 through 11. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have been raised with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. If you will... Remember that Romans talks a lot about re- resurrection, but I, you know, specifically 
last time we were together, that Romans chapter one, those first few verses talk a lot about um, his resurrection, how when you die, uh, you can't die again. That's right. And so that's something that he's, he's going back to here. Um, I just wanted to reference that. If you missed reading that chapter, that'll kind of give you a little more clarity on this as well. Um, but one of the things that I struggled with when I read this the first time, I almost feel like Paul's saying, hey, you have to be perfect if you're a Christian. Hey, it, does God expect us as Christians to be perfect? Uh, expect? I, I, let's see. It is, it is never God's will. That's a hard way to ask. Hard way. God knows we as Christians won't be perfect, right? He, he knows that. He knows that we are sinful. He, that is why he sent Jesus, right, was to atone for our sin. Uh, and when Christ died on the cross, he took Jesus took names to the cross, right? He didn't just take, oh, there might be a possibility that someone in the future might. No, he took your name, he took my name to the cross, yeah. paid for the sins we would commit. Uh, so, God is never God's will. It's never His desire that Christians live and walk in sin, but it is a reality of our fallen human nature, right? Even though we are redeemed by Christ, um, there is still the lingering old man. And so, I, the the way that I like to think about this, this might be a helpful analogy. Um, you know, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, um, they were they were created without sin, but with the ability to sin. Mm-hmm. All right. After the fall, they were not able to not sin, right? Everything that they did was sin. And this is a, this is, these are four categories that Augustine came up with thousands of years ago. Uh, in the garden, they were unable to, they were able to sin. They were not sinful, but they were able to sin. Uh, once they sinned, they were not able to not sin. Everything they did was sin. But once Christ has redeemed us, we are now able to not sin. In the, in the glories of heaven, we will not be able to sin. So there's kind of four kind of categories we got to think about here. I like to think about a car. Some of y'all are super confused about that. I like to think about a car. It drives down the road, right? Are cars made to drive on the road or to drive in the ditch? Well, they're certainly not really designed to drive in the ditch. They're designed to be cars that drive on the road. And when the car stays in between that yellow line and that white line, most of the time, things go pretty well. But... Uh, if you get distracted and you veer off over to the right side and you hit this ditch, right, and you catch some air and you come back down and you, you know, you bend the frame of your car, your car's never going to drive the right way again. It's never going to be perfect. And you know what? You might even go and get your car repaired, right? And I don't know much about cars, but hypothetically, I think you can do this, right? I think you can go get your car repaired, but you know that over time, that repair, that that crash will cause problems over and over again. So I like to think about that in terms of at you know before the at, at the before the fall Adam and Eve were meant they were not meant to drive in the ditch. They were meant to drive on the road, but they were able to drive into the ditch and they did. And when they did it caused irreparable damage to the human race, right? It was like that the the frame on your car is bent now. Mm. Jesus comes, right? And he's he's secured for us a new car. Right, he's secure. We're going to be one day. We will all drive like maybe a Tesla or something. I don't know. In the I don't know what you'll drive in the new heavens or in the new earth. I actually hope I drive my truck. Honestly, I love my truck. But 
in the meantime, we're still dealing with the effects of that crash. We're yeah. still dealing that it's going to cause problems in our life from time to time. May, and I know that's not that's certainly not a biblical example, um, but maybe that would that be helpful for folks to just to kind of understand. We're going to deal with sin. That's why Paul writes this uh, in chapter six. He's trying to give us some theology to help us deal with our sin. That we're not just to say, "Hey, it doesn't matter what we do." I'm I'm bought by Christ, so I right. can just live however I want. And, you know, God will forgive me. That, Paul says, if you live that way, you don't actually understand the gospel. Yeah, does that help, or does that raise more questions than it answers? No, that definitely. I think that adds a lot of clarity. Um, yeah, I, I, because I I don't think that uh, you know even Paul, um, you know, he started out as Saul and all the things that he had done. Uh, so we see that. I'm sure there were times that he fell uh, after he became a Christian, you know, yeah. after he had these revelations. Um, and we look at David when I think David's probably the epitome of sure <laughs> falling every once yeah. in a while. And falling. But what does David do when he, once he falls? Right. And let's not let's not mask the sin and pretend like it's in, it's not terrible. It's horrible. Like the account you read in. Uh, in the book of uh, in the book of Second Samuel, like it's horrible in the, in the account that you see there. But you read Psalm fifty one and you see David repents of his sin, right? David doesn't live and live in his sin. He has to live with the consequences of his sin, right. but he repents before God, right? He he he's, has a broken and contrite heart, um, yeah. and it says that the Lord washes him clean from all of his iniquities, right? And so you do. I mean, think of think of one biblical character that's not Jesus. That doesn't kind of step into some sin, you know. Yeah. Step into some uh, even after they've been redeemed, you know. Even after God enters into covenant with Abraham, yeah. like the next chapter, he goes and sells his wife to another guy, right? Or you know, uh, it, it, this this constant kind of we're going to struggle with sin. That's one of the things uh, in the Bible that we've got to understand. But it hasn't consigned us to damnation, right? No. Just because we struggle with sin. In fact. I would say struggle with sin, a desire to overcome sin is actually a sign that the Spirit of God is at work in you and that you are redeemed. I know it's easy for us to get weighed down by sin because when we when we do sin, it seems like we sin in the same old ways time and time. And I said something stupid I shouldn't have said. Oh, my goodness. Like, God, when am I going to stop saying stuff that I shouldn't say? When am I going to stop being prideful? When am I going to stop blowing up at my wife or blowing up at my kids or my you know whoever it might be? When am I going to stop with these bad thoughts, these, these lustful thoughts, whatever it might be? Well, the fact that you want and desire exactly. to stop those things, I think is actually a really good sign. Now, it doesn't mean that, oh, well, I don't want to do these things. So that means, uh, you know, I shouldn't really try hard to that quit, to, to quit. You know, I shouldn't really uh, take my sin that seriously. No, Paul says sin is very serious but at the end of the day, the way that we fight sin is not by looking into ourselves. It's by looking up at Christ. Oh, yeah. And I think that's what Romans 6 kind of brings home for us. It most definitely does. Yeah, it talks about um, the baptism. And that's kind of what I want to talk about next. Yeah. Um, and when, In verse 4, I'm just going to read verse 4 real quick. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death. And I'm going to stop there. What? What is that word baptism uh, when he mentions it? What was he talking about there? Yeah, uh, I do. I do think he's talking about the 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 act that he's given to the church of uh, of baptism, um, which would have kind of been adopted as, as like a ceremonial washing sort of thing. Um, 
you know, bat, you don't take a baptism because you've been out working in the field and you're muddy and you're dirty, right? You, 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 you are baptized uh, as an indicator of some kind of uh, ceremonial purity, like in the, in the second temple culture that they would have been a part of. You know, Jesus was baptized, John was baptized, or John the Baptist baptized people in the Jordan River, right? We're, we're familiar with that idea. What that would have been would have been a sign in, in, in the gospel that says it's a sign of repentance of sins. Like, so when you are baptized, it's a sign that you want to repent of the sins that you've committed. You want to, before God, like it's a, it's a, it's a ceremonial thing. So it, it doesn't actually really cleanse you or wash away your sin or anything like that uh it doesn't uh there's the water's not special right, right. um it's a it's a symbolic and a ceremonial act but it is a spiritual act mm-hmm. and so and, and part of the the spiritual aspect of it here um has to do with the fact that paul says it is related to our understanding of death mm-hmm. when we are baptized it's a symbol it's a sign that we are dead or dying to sin we desire to to die. And even if that means, and let's just consider this, Jesus did not really begin to suffer in his earthly life that we know of right. until after his baptism. You know, we have, we have, we have Jesus's birth, the birth narrative. We have an account of Jesus's life when he's 12 at the temple. We have all of these years of, we don't really know, just living in obscurity. Jesus was, I think until he's about 30 yeah. and at 30, before he begins his ministry, he's baptized, Right. And what happens after he's baptized? In the wilderness. Yeah, he goes yeah. into the wilderness. The suffering, the temptation, all this kind of stuff really starts yeah. after his baptism. I think it's important for us to consider mm-hmm. um, because baptism is a weighty thing. And you and I, uh, we serve in a tradition where we practice believers' baptism. You know, we have brothers and sisters who uh, would pa- would practice pedo baptism, and their understanding of these things might be a little bit different. Um, but our, just our understanding of when we teach baptism to our people and to our children, do we teach them to consider this idea of of death? Mm-hmm. That when you are baptized, it is a big deal. I'll just give you one illustration here. Uh, I was talking to uh, a guy uh, a number of months ago. I was sitting at a Panera Bread, and I met this guy. Uh, that it was kind of a divine, uh, divinely orchestrated thing. I met this guy, and we started talking. He told me he'd been a missionary in uh, in the Middle East for like eight years. And, uh, I was just, you know, I'm sitting in this Panera, you know, at, in Hendersonville and I'm thinking, what are the chances that I'll meet this guy? So I sit down and start talking to him. He and I really hit it off. We just, we sat there for about an hour and just talked about, uh, talked about life. I told him I was a pastor. He told me he was a, he was a missionary over there in the Middle East where it's really difficult to be a Christian. And, uh, we were talking about something and he, he said, yeah, I have a friend who finally decided that he wanted to be baptized. Um, he had been following Jesus for a number of years, for three or four years, and he finally decided that it was time for him to be baptized. And I said, why wasn't he baptized when he first became a believer? He said, well, over there, you're not really persecuted as a Christian until your baptism, mm. until you take that step to publicly identify and publicly profess your faith. This guy was a Muslim, right? He believed uh, he believed and worshipped Allah. And then he decided he, he converted to Christianity. Three years, and this is a grown man. This isn't a teenager or anything. This is a grown man. Three years, he doesn't tell his family. And then finally, he decides he's going to follow Jesus. And he calls a meeting of several of his family members. He's sitting there in his apartment. And he says, I, I, I believe the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth, and I'm going to follow him. I'm going to be baptized. Before that guy could even get up and leave the table, his brother or his brother-in-law, another man in the family, 
stood up, picked up the stool that he was sitting on, and cracked it over this guy's back. Oh, my gosh. You know, dragged him out in the street, and the people in the community gathered around, picked up stones, and stoned this guy. Mm. He survived by, by a miracle. I mean, this is like Book of Acts, Apostle Paul kind of stuff happening, you know, on the other side of the world from where you and I sit now. But because this guy wanted to be baptized, he was persecuted in this way. And they had, there was all this kind of stuff. The guy survived, you know, by, by a miracle, by God's grace. They were able to hide this brother away uh, and for him to recover. But obviously, a broken ribs, you know, like barely, barely survived after surviving this stoning by the town people. But it just kind of tells you what we understand about baptism in a, you know, in a passage like Romans 6, uh, verse 4, baptism into death. That's not just a, oh, that's so nice, let's die to sin, right? It's not like a yeah. fuzzy, warm feeling. No, this is a serious and a weighty issue, and, and something that we should just really consider as we teach and as we consider uh, the practice of baptism. Baptism into death, into Christ's death, uh, in verse number four, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So when you're baptized, you're saying, I want to die to my old self. I want to die to my old way of life and be raised to live and walk like Jesus did. And looking at that, we're looking at Jesus's death and saying, Jesus died a terrible death, but he now lives an eternal life. Mm-hmm. And I, being united to Christ by faith, my because of my union with Christ, I am willing to walk through whatever I have to to follow Jesus in this life. I am willing to be persecuted. I am willing to be scorned. I am willing to, you know, lose money. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to not satisfy the desires of my flesh. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to follow Jesus because as terrible of a death as Jesus died, he now lives with the Father forevermore. He's, He's at the right hand of the Father forever. And I know that because Jesus has walked through death and come out on the other side with a resurrected life, I too, whatever I walk through in this life, I'm going to come out on the other side in the resurrection. I'm going to be resurrected and to never die again, as you said at the beginning. Do we believe that? Because that, that really influences the way that we consider and the way that we fight our sin, the way that we desire to run from our sin, to walk in the newness of life. And baptism is that first step in that process. We can also talk about here about, um, there's, there's two kinds of baptism that are talked about in the, in the new Testament. One is the baptism with water, which is the ceremonial act. And the other is the baptism of the spirit. And when we talk about the baptism of the spirit, what I, what I understand the new Testament to teach is that the spirit regenerates our hearts, um, that we are born again by the spirit, right? And the Bible talks about those two things. And so, and thinking about baptism by the spirit, our lives are plunged into God, you know, plunged into yeah. God and His grace, right? and the Spirit works that in us. And the sign of that fact that we've been regenerated is then baptism by water. So it, we can also apply this kind of uh, understanding to our to spirit baptism, right? The, and when we say spirit baptism, I really mean regeneration. I know there's been some uh, there's been some ways that we talk about um, spirit baptism being a second working of the Spirit after we're regenerated. Uh, that doesn't seem to be the witness of the New Testament, right? It seems to be that there's a, there's a definitive act of God in regenerating people and cleansing people from their sin, and they're being alive to Him after that. Uh, it doesn't seem to be like there's uh, this two-tiered like kingdom of heaven where there's Christians and then there's 
Christians who have really become Christians, right? right. Which is a, is a common teaching in some churches today. And but I don't think that's I don't think you can really hold that when you take all the way to the New Testament um, in, into consideration there. So just to consider just to consider that baptism is a big deal. I think is what we want to we want to get at, and we need to understand that our baptism, if we understand it rightly, helps us fight our sin. Yeah, yeah. I so I I did a study. Um, at one point, uh, I, I had gone through a really deep depression, um, and you were talking about David uh, mm. uh, having that broken and contract heart. Yeah. Like that is that's where I was, and so I did a study of life. Why are we here? What is life? Um, and one of the things that I started to um, study, obviously, when you want to learn about life, you start in Genesis because that's where it started. You know. Um, and one of the where it took me was, uh, we are made up of three parts: the the body, soul, and the spirit. Um, and so, the way that it helped me understand was, it's almost like a um, like a ship. Uh, the whole of the ship is the flesh. That is our body. That is what keeps us from being destroyed in the waves of life. Um, gives us oxygen. Those things. Um, the soul is like the cells catching the wind and driving us those the things that drive us in life that our soul goes after our passions um and then the spirit is like the rudder of the ship pointing you in the right direction or the wrong direction and in the beginning god gave every man a spirit so we all had our own rudder um and when we're when we don't have christ it's like a ship without a captain that can't direct the ship it can't direct that rudder and therefore it's just going in a circle in the middle of the water and we're wondering well why why aren't these pleasures satisfying us why aren't the the when we have no control and we just do what we think we want to do why does that why does why do i still feel empty yeah um and it's because we we don't have a captain steering us in the right direction and so we're lost and so mm. what i think helped me was to use that analogy so that uh, the spiritual side of being baptized was saying I'm no longer in control of the rudder, All right. but God is. Yeah, and I'm gonna let Him take the steering wheel. You know, not to be cheesy, but that is, in my opinion, like the spiritual part of the baptism is saying I'm dying to making those decisions. Right. You know, uh, I think our spirit is set up to mimic things. If you look at our culture, we want to be like other people. We want to, uh, when we go in a certain direction with our spirit, it's usually uh, because we see somebody else doing that. Um, and so I think when we allow the Holy Spirit into our life, then we begin to mimic him. Mm -hmm. And that's when he can bring in conviction. And like you said, in a, in a different podcast was, um, you know, we, when we start to feel the convictions and the things in our lives, I believe it was one of our, one of our first podcasts that we did, um, where we talked about the gospel. Um, you know, that we can truly follow Christ because we have Christ inside of us. Mm. Um, so anyways, that just, I don't know if that helps the list. I don't know if that helps you. That helped me to really get a visual of what does it mean? Why, what is dying to myself? Oh, I'm letting go of the rudder. Yeah. And it's, it's saying that I'm, you know, it's the, the whole, the whole, uh, push of the, the Bible is to understand like there is a creator. You are not him. Mm -mm. 
and living your life like you are the creator, you know, essentially saying I'm God, you know, right. that, that's that's the that's some of the understanding that you're getting at there. Uh, when we are baptized, we, you know, when we profess faith in Christ, the cornerstone of that profession is that Jesus is the Lord. Right. I'm not him. So whatever Jesus says I should do with my life, that's whose word I'm going to abide by, not my own. Mm-hmm. Even though, you know, I might have some feelings about some things I might want to do or some ways I might want to go in my life, who has the final authority? Right? Our, our baptism, I, th- I think, leads us to say, well, no, it's, it's Christ that right. has the final authority. Christ is the one who determines my destiny. If my destiny is bound up with being united with him and, you know, I'm willing to suffer a death like his to have a life like he now has right and to, mm-hmm. to see that reward then certainly i should take his uh advice uh, you know in my day-to-day life and, and the way he says i should i should live my life and care for my family and spend my money and use my time and all that kind of stuff uh you know there's there's no decision that's outside of the lordship of christ right and i think that's incredibly important for us to understand yeah yeah and i think once we go from the understanding that there's no magic in the water right but it's the Holy Spirit. And, you know, the Bible tells us that the same Spirit that raised him from the dead is living in us. That's right. We have that same power living inside yep. of us, which is a good segue in my next question. I think I did good there. Um, <laughs> how does the resurrection of Christ help us in our fight against sin? Yeah. Uh, just verse 5. If we have been united with him in a death like his. All right. How are we united into his death? Through his baptism. Mm-hmm. Through our baptism, right? We're united. We're saying we want to die to ourselves the way that you know Christ died to sin. Christ literally died. Uh, we are, you know, we are figuratively united into that death by uh, by our baptism. We're truly dead to sin, mm-hmm. uh, but we desire to be alive to God. Uh, continuing in verse five, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. All right. We know that because Christ died and has been made alive, that if we follow Christ in his death, we will also follow him in his, in his life and in the life everlasting. Verse number six, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So what that tells us is that prior to Christ, what are we? We are enslaved mm-hmm. to sin. Now... We are free because of what Christ has done. We are free from the bondage of sin. What this means, and going back to our original analogy, right? We, we talk about how in the garden, Adam and Eve were able to sin. They weren't sinful, but they were able to sin. Once they sinned, they were not able to not sin, right? Everything that they did, what they were enslaved to sin. Right. Now, Christ has broken us free from the chains and the bondage of sin, set us free from sin. Now we are free. We are able to not sin. We are able to do things that are not inherently sinful. But prior to that, man is depraved, right? Man is bound by sin. If we, if our hearts have not been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, if we have not believed the gospel, then what will we do? We will sin. Why? Because we're slaves to sin. Yeah. This passage tells us that the resurrection of Christ has actually broken the chains of sin, that we're no longer enslaved to our sin. We can now be slaves uh, to righteousness. Um, verse number seven, for one, for the one who has died has been set free from sin. And verse eight, now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. It's about 
we talked about in Romans 1, it's about faith and it's about belief. We have evidence that this life is not the end. Mm -hmm. If we believe that there is a life to come and that the life to come is going to be eternally spent with the Father, then why would we adopt the pleasures of a season and forsake the pleasures at the right hand of the Father forevermore? Right. Right. Why would we say, I mean, it's this... This idea of delayed gratification, right? So if we, uh, if you take a kid, I bet if we took your son and we put him in a room and we said, listen, Ollie, man, you can have one cookie right now. Mm-hmm. Or if you wait four hours, I'll give you 10 cookies. What's Ollie going to do? He's going to take the cookie. He's going to take the one cookie right now, right? Because, oh, it's a, it's a cookie and I need it right now and I can't wait four hours. Okay. Yeah. And we think, okay, that's the way a child lives, right? That's the way. Because me, in my infinite knowledge, I know I can wait four hours and get <laughs> 10 cookies, right? right? But we live the Christian life like a like a child, you know, a lot of the time. So we say, oh, I want, I want it now. I want my pleasure now. I want my... Uh, my satisfaction now. I don't want to wait for the life to come. We don't. We don't want this delayed gratification. We want. We want all of it now. But the Christian life is about saying no. What's over there is so much better than trying to find pleasure here on this earth. Because, like you said, you can seek whatever pleasure you want. You're going to wind up empty at the end of the day. But there is coming a day where we will have, as the Scripture says, pleasures at the right hand of the Father forevermore. You know, what do you want? Do you want temporary? pleasures temporary fixes here you can have those things if you pursue sin Mm -hmm. but the christian life is not about pursuing those things it's about pursuing those things that are everlasting those things that are eternal and the resurrection of christ knowing that christ has been raised helps us understand we can endure what we're walking through now and do it without stepping into sin now does that mean all of life is terrible no it does not right there are so many good things that god gives us and affords us and wants us to enjoy each and every day, good and godly joys that we should celebrate. Mm-hmm. But those are all just foretastes of what's to come, right. right? And it's going to be so much better in eternity when we're with Christ, freed from the stains of sin altogether. The resurrection of Christ helps us fight against our sin because we know we can endure this. We can have this delayed gratification, right? Because right. we know on the other side, we're going to be satisfied forevermore. Isn't that far better? So much. Yeah. Yeah, I think we lose focus of that sometimes. Um, I think for me, it's probably money, mm. um, because it's it's easy for me to uh, the, my cookie is money. You know, yeah. if you can wait and and be blessed a little later, uh, you know, in heaven, or you can work on Sundays and sure. get paid triple. Yeah, you know, as oh well, you know. Right, and that just that just shows you where you know what our culture really exactly. uh, really values, you know. And I mean, just the bottom line. And I know it's easy to say this; it's a lot easier to live it. And when you sit in a room like this and just think about it, you're like, okay, all my stuff, I'm gonna die one day, and all my stuff, you know, if I'm lucky, it'll go to my kids, right, and they'll get to enjoy it. And then what's gonna happen when when they die? You know, like uh, we we've had I've had several family members pass away, and you know, they have all this stuff that they've inherited from generations and it's cool to look back and see but like all of their life is now in a shoebox like all that they lived for on this earth is in a shoebox and probably the next generation will look back and say oh my grandma's name was this and then 
all of her possessions will be done away with, you know, like just in, unless it's like an heirloom or something like that, like all of her earthly possessions will be that were in the shoebox that were precious to her. Yeah. They'll be, they'll be gone. You know, they'll be donated to Goodwill or something like that. Do you want to live your life to be a donation to Goodwill? Right. Or do you want to live your life in such a way where you store up treasure in heaven? In heaven. Right. Because at the end of the day, we're all going to, we're all, all of our earthly possessions are just going to be stuff that's just, you know, done away with or distributed or whatever it's going to be. Uh, we build up wealth and don't know who's going to take it. What a sad way to live life. Right. Uh, and just, and just to, let's just on, honestly affirm that. Now, do we need money to live? Certainly. Do we need to work to provide? Certainly. All those kinds of things. But our, what God has provided for us, he always provides what we need and we can, we can trust in that. Um, and maybe in our delaying of our personal gratification, it helps us to have a more eternal mindset. You know, I don't have the nicest stuff here on the earth. You know, my, my truck does have, you know, a ding in the front and in the front of it or whatever it might be. It's not a Tesla, you know, it's not the greatest thing in the world. Um, but it gets me to work. You know, it helped get you a Tesla by the end of this. Yeah. Maybe our sponsors, right? (laughs) Our sponsors, maybe it's Tesla will sponsors. I doubt it. Uh, but just, just considering those things that we don't always have to have the best thing right now, the nicest thing right now, if we believe this is true. And that comes to, you know, our pleasures, you know, uh, the, the thing, do do we need to live, you know, for, for pleasures right here and right now? Do we need the, the things that the world says are, are are pleasing, you know, that they say this is, it's all about your, your satisfaction right now today. Really? When we think about that, that's just really a childish way to live. And that's the way that a, a number of people try to dominate the thinking of our culture. Uh, right. I'm saying that's that's the most important thing. Live live for right now, live for today, live for uh, the, the, the ride and for the pleasure. And we just see that just flies in the face. If you believe the resurrection is true, you won't want to live that way. Uh, I agree, yeah. And, you know, being a husband and a father, those things weigh on me a mm. lot because you would think uh, uh, the world says, well, because you have these responsibilities— then you need to work hard. You need to, um, if you've got to work 12 hours a day, if you've got to do, you know, four days in a row, 12 hours, you know, that's what you have to do. Uh, Stay away from your family. Right. And and especially on the the times when we should be coming together, you know, whether it's a TI group on uh, on. Uh, weekdays, which is sure. basically like small groups, you know, or if it's uh, Sundays when uh, forsaking that assembly, mm. we put that aside because it's, and I'm talking as, you know, a husband and a father, we right. put those things aside because the world says it's more important to right. provide, but how much more important is it to provide the heavenly things for my yeah. wife and for my kids? Yeah. And how important is. is your spiritual health? Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know people who will spend hours at the gym, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's. Uh, you know, I like to run, you know, and I'll go spend an hour running, you know, and, and I, I enjoy that. It's a great thing for me to do. Um, but how many people do you meet? They're so concerned, like they'll just eat like kale or like, you know, I was talking to uh, my sister-in-law and she was saying, yeah, I was trying to do a 60 hour fast. And I was like, 60, good grief. Like, are you trying to kill yourself? That's insane. And she said, and she wasn't doing it for a spiritual thing. She was doing it for a oh, like a physical, yeah. like I wanted to reset my body. And people will go through and do those kinds of things because they care about their physical body mm-hmm. and they won't spend an hour reading the Bible, yeah. you know, or won't spend a couple hours at, at church on a Sunday or won't, and, or, or just, 
maybe they'll do it, but they'll, you know, despise it. And I'm not trying to heap, I'm really not trying to heap guilt on anybody or anything like that or make you feel guilty because you don't run or anything like that. But just to say, let's just consider, we think physical things are really, really important. You spend money to go to the doctor because you, you know, your body's important. And the Bible tells us our body's important. You should work. You know, the Bible right. says that work is a good thing. It's actually a gift from God. And like James said, there might be times where you do have to work mm-hmm. 12 hours a day, several days out of the week. That might be a, 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 a thing that you have to go through. But are you placing your purpose in your work? Exactly. Or are you taking the time to, you know, to to build that spiritual kind of health, to grow spiritually. I think we all said, hey, if you can do this one day a week, you'll lose weight. You know, people will be signing up, you know, whatever it is. You know, it's, hey, skip three meals a day, one day a week, and you'll lose weight, right? My wife, who used to be a trainer, says that's a terrible way to live, and so don't do don't do that. Uh, but if you, if you knew that was the case, you'd sign up to do that. What if I told you that by coming to church one day a week for 15 years, It'll change your whole life. Yeah. You know, making that a priority just for 15 years, it'll it'll change your whole life and it'll change your eternity. Would you do it? Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. the, we're, uh, we're a little bit hesitant to think that that's actually true. But I think what Romans 6 is trying to get us to understand, consider your life, consider eternity, consider the resurrection, and consider, would you rather live this life alive to sin mm-hmm. and then be dead to Christ for eternity or would you rather live this life dead to sin and have life eternal? Yeah. It's not really that it's not really a big wager. We know what the right answer is. It's so incredibly hard to live like that's true, but the resurrection of Christ helps us. If we live and walk in the resurrection of life, we'll see these things as true and it's valuable. Yeah. Yeah, and that that reminds me too of the scripture where it says that if we're lukewarm, he will spew us out of his mouth. You know, it's it's not we can't serve two masters. Mm. Uh, and I think when we have uh, especially after we've been through the baptism and, and confessed through that, that we are now Christians. Yeah, uh, that we, we belong now, to the Lord. That we belong to the Lord. Yeah, now that we have made that confession, are we truly living uh, as if we were resurrected? Right. And, that's, and let's just say, this is not sinlessness we're talking about. No. Right? It's not perfection that we're talking about. Exactly. It is spirit-fueled effort, mm-hmm. right? That the Spirit has regenerated us and we're trying to live our lives to the glory of God and trusting that the longer we walk with Jesus, the more like Jesus we're going to become, the less sinful we're actually going to become. Yeah. And so, yeah, let me just read uh, verse 11. Yeah. Uh, because I, I I specifically like in the Bible when it says you, because then I try to put myself into that. Yeah. And so that's what this is here. Uh, so you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Oh, what an amazing promise. It's a great right? place to land the plane today. Yeah, I think so. James, thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for being here and giving us all this knowledge and, and walking us through this. Uh, there's so much in Romans. Um, I, as I always, I encourage you to continue to read the whole chapter. Don't stop it at just verse 11. Um, digging into God's Word. And allowing those principles to guide us daily. Yeah, um, that's what that's what this is all about. That's right, and it's yeah, and it's about it's about the word. You know, my my anecdotes and my illustrations don't give life. Mm-hmm. Your anecdotes, your illustrations don't get the word no, does. The though. word does. Yeah, and so uh, if we hear if you don't hear anything that we've said, uh, just hear what the scripture has to say uh, because in it are the words of eternal life. That's it.
Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope that you are enjoying our podcast. Make sure that you're liking and subscribing on all that fun stuff. Uh, We hope to see you back here next week. Have a great day. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast today. I know there's a ton of things you could have spent your time listening to, but James and I are grateful that you spent some time hanging out with us. If you'd like to learn more about Creekside Fellowship, you can go to our website at creeksidefellowshiptn.com. You can find our contact info there. If you've uh, enjoyed listening to the podcast, you can rate and review and subscribe and all that fun stuff. And if you have any questions for us, you can email us at info at creeksidefellowshiptn.org. That's all on our website. You can also connect with us on social media. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen today. Hope you'll tune in next time.